The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. You ever have that experience where you think, huh, I really ought to take my own medicine here? <laughs> Sometimes. You described uh, your wife on the last podcast. Yeah. She yeah, came yeah. to you. And said, hey, I don't like my car. Administer yeah. medicine. Yeah. Medicine yeah, yeah. That was a taking my own medicine moment. But, but, what's, but what's happened with me is actually based on a kind of a series of events and a conversation <laughs> with you the last few days. I, I, well, I was hanging out. I was hanging out with the last few days. I call it the last few years, but you know, well, okay. You and I, you and I have the disease in a big yeah, way. That's, that yeah. hasn't changed. But what I mean is on Friday, I had the opportunity to take somebody for a ride in the FRS that was genuinely looking Just to buy so one. So cool. So cool. And I terrified him. And I wasn't, I, I genuinely wasn't <laughs> there trying. There had to be a little bit of like, okay, let's have some fun. Let me show you a little bit no, about what this car can No, don't get me wrong. We, we went and picked a really good road yeah. on purpose because yeah. I said, there's no point in me giving you a drive ride chance uh, on a road that's just through a city. <laughs> that's, that's not what the car's about. Right. But right. this is a guy who's never owned a sports car and is genuinely looking at an FRS and so it was a, it was like a, an awakening to a world of dry. He said to me, you've changed my life, which I think that was a bit much. It was a bit, it was a bit much, but tiny bit of a stretch. Exactly. But, but at the same time, it's a life experience he hadn't had before. And that just reminded me all the reasons. I mean, not that I had forgotten, but it reminded me all the reasons why I love the FRS. Yeah. But that got us yeah. into a big discussion about the fact that at this point, I've owned the car about two years. Yeah. Yeah. I still really like it. Yes. Yes. But it's probably time to let it go. Here it is, everybody. You've heard that right. Todd is selling the FRS. Yes. It's about time. Well, I hope so. And I mean... I, I've, uh, after as many Lotus Elise ads you send me now, they're coming in rapid fire. At first, it was a trickle. <laughs> then it was a river. <laughs> and now it's like a shotgun every talking, time. Talking about a disease. Yeah. Blasting them at me. Well, no, it's, it's good. It's good. And, hopefully, um, hopefully that is what's I'm next. Excited. But, but. But before all of that happens, I mean, I'm dealing with a very strict budget. I mean, I would love, mm -hmm. I would love to get an Evora. I would love to get a 1M. Those oh, yeah. are yeah, yeah. 15 to 20 grand out of my budget. Sure, sure. So yeah. as much as I'd like one, that is not happening. Well, we're discussing all kinds of options we here are, for you. We are, we are, yeah. We're discussing because here, this podcast now is in mid-May. Mm -hmm. So we're summertime. The driving season is yeah. upon us. Yeah. We're right at the beginning of summer here. and uh, I should have thought of this in March. <laughs> but okay, well, all right. here's, here's it, where we it's are. It's all about timing. That's mm -hmm. why I refer mm -hmm. to this. It's, it's about time, and it's about mm -hmm. the timing now. Yeah, true, true, it true. It wasn't the right time before, yeah. and that's okay. So I'm so intrigued. We're... we're Letting everybody on the podcast know yeah. now because yeah. you know this car. You've seen it in a number of different mm -hmm. videos mm -hmm. that we've done. You've seen it drifted. You've seen it in snow with winter tires, summer tires. Yeah, it's done everything. And it I've comes it. with a lot more than your regular stock well, FRS. Yes. I mean, I, I look. kinds of stuff. Since I'm actually – and actually, you should know this if you're listening. It has actually not even been posted online yet. You guys are the first who know. This yes, car is yes. for sale. It, they, I took photos today even. Good it, for you. It will go Good up online this week. This is actually happening. So if you're looking for an FRS, obviously mine will be out there. Now, I, of course, did all the research I would normally do in selling a car or even looking for a car. And I just went, sure. what, are these, what are these going for? Because let me, let me go on a little side note rant for a second. KBB, Edmonds, these places that say, what is my car worth? Sure, sure. They don't declare prices. No, 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 no. They give it's, you it's kind a baseline. of tracking information. They're tracking prices, what cars are being sold for. They're calculating right, based on the information right. you gave them. But they are not the Bible. It's no, not the number no. they give is not exactly what the car is worth. You can get into arguments with people so easily about, well, I looked up your car and it should be. But the thing you have to, to cross-reference that with is, what are they actually selling for? Yep. What will the market bear? Mm -hmm. That's anything. My dad always told me growing up, he said, a thing is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. In some markets, it's more. In other markets, it's less. And you have to judge mm -hmm. by what mm -hmm. are cars going. And Houses are the same way. Yeah, that's what I found interesting is that in the South, well, specifically Texas, but in the South, FRSs are cheap used. So if you're just looking for a cheap FRS used, uh, I'm going to recommend you shop in Texas. But uh, it within like are the higher mileage in that area. 
No, they were kind of similar. It's just they were a thousand to two thousand dollars less than the rest of the country. Interesting. All okay. the really cheap ones I found were down there. Okay. But it seems to be the average for this 2013, like I've got, is running somewhere between 14 and 16. And all the ones within like 600 miles of us here in Utah are all running in the 15 to 16 range. Okay. All Which right. Which is interesting. So, all right. My plan is 16,000. So you're that's, asking 16? That's the plan. Okay. 16,000. That's the car as it is, which is this week it's going to roll over 64,000 miles. Okay. All right. That's the winter and the summer wheels with tires on them, the stuff that's been done. Now I realize the stuff that's been done, you tune a car, it's not actually adding value. No. It, in this no. car, it does add drivability, though. I will say that. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. We've talked so, about that that gulf in the torque yes. band there that it's oh, solved. Tom actually is driving the brand new 86 in Germany this week. He's never driven one before. great. And he's already Facebook messaged me and been like, in the mid-range, this has no power at all. <laughs> I, was, I said, yeah, welcome to the stock configuration. So yeah, that, that is yeah. at least solved. But if you're, if you're intrigued by this car at all, okay, I'm putting it out there. <laughs> Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. If you would like to write me about it and ask more questions, uh, you already know pretty much everything there is to know about the car, but it is out there. I am going to sell it. Uh, we'll see what is next after I actually sell it. Right. I'm not going to be that right. guy that I have been in the past, which is I'm going to go looking for cars while I sell this car and then you with two cars it's in the drive so for six months. Not going to happen. So not going to happen. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited that you're selling it and we've had a great run with it. We we've have. We've done a have, lot yeah. with it. We've enjoyed it and it's served as such a great car. Mm, absolutely. No hiccups. You've just oh, been regularly, regularly maintaining mm-hmm. the car. It's been wonderful. Regular oil changes, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just run. Mm-hmm. It's been brilliant, actually. Yeah, it's been it's been great in all categories. And so I'm having that experience. We're talking about taking your own medicine. I'm having that experience yeah. where I'm realizing I should go get a new life experience. Obviously, it's something we can share on the show. Sure. But at sure. the same time, it's a car that I still love. I'm so thrilled to hear this. It's yeah. not often that you and I turn over cars. Sometimes. We, we don't typically do that, but, but, but we're trying to be, we're trying to take our own medicine a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But what a great platform. And so you're, you're hearing it here. I, I'm excited to announce, Todd's excited to announce that the FRS is officially for sale. And if you're interested, write to us. This is going to be something. And I, and I had to tell my son. I just, I you just, did. I broached the subject this weekend. I just said, hey, hey, little man, uh, just so you know, um, mm. we're probably going to get rid of this car. And I just waited. I mean, you've made some memories in the car with him. And he was, as I expected, he was bothered. He was like, well, why, why would we get rid of this car? Is, is awesome and fast. And I was like, buddy, 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 we're not going to get rid of this car and get something that isn't also fun. It's just we're going to get a new, different fun. So he's okay. I was that's just, a good way of positioning. I was it. landing that's that good. in his little brain okay. because when the car leaves, I know, I bet, you, I bet you money when the car leaves, he will cry. Which kind of breaks my heart to think yeah. about in advance as a dad. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of cool. It's that weird mixed emotion thing as fatherhood, you know. I didn't want to just say, oh, hey, by the way, buddy, car's gone. If it goes to the right person, the right owner, then that is the key. If it goes to the you know, yeah, yeah. good price, everybody's happy with the deal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of that, then – Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. But we do have actual car debates for other people tonight. This isn't going to be what car is Todd going to buy. There are going to be actual car debates. We've got Keith writing in. Uh, we want to cover that one. That's going to be cool. And also Greg writing in as well. And many, many questions. And you know what just dawned on me? Hmm. This is podcast. Hang on. I'm chasing the number. 197. We're getting close. You know what happens at 200? Yes. The all questions, none of them about cars <laughs> podcast. I should be frightened already. Yeah, it's coming. We're we're nearly upon it. I can't believe it. We've been doing this podcast for coming up on three years yeah, now. Mid July will be three which is years, amazing. which is great. I'm always fascinated by the misconceptions that happen about car ownership, and one of the ones mm. that I feel like everybody knows. You don't have to be a car guy. Everybody knows it. Three thousand miles change your oil, which isn't actually right. <laughs> exactly. Don't fall for that rule. You should look up the manufacturer's recommendation. Mm-hmm. Look in your guide in the owner's manual, and then you should do AMSOIL. Because their synthetics give you 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by the industry standard. Well, and and some of their stuff will last 25,000 miles according to their testing, which I don't recommend. Please don't do that. The 3,000 (laughs) is one thing, but the 25,000 we're not recommending either. But those products are great. Amsoil.com, they have a great lookup table. We've been posting links for that where you can look up your car, find the exact right product from them. All right. Well, let's just jump right in. We've got Keith and Greg. Keith is first up here. He is a Patreon supporter, and a number of you have asked on social media about Patreon in general, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. thank you guys for those of you who are Patreon supporters and you write to us with your own debate. 
we will debate that guaranteed yeah that we try really hard to put those up there absolutely for sure, something for sure. that uh, that we want to do for you but patreon uh, all you supporters have uh, been fantastic in, in supporting the show as we continue to move forward so thank you for that keith is active duty navy mm-hmm. and he is writing because he moves around a lot so first of all the vital stats here including vehicle history he's 40 these stats Five foot nine, 165 pounds, and he says, I fit in everything. You you are actually yes, the does. body type that they're planning the cars exactly. for. That's really what's happening here, Keith, is they're going, well, you know, he'll be about 5'9", he'll be under 180. That, that's what we'll plan for. Then Paul and I walk, walk up, and it's like trying to fit Sasquatch in a car. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so his vehicle history here, 80s two-wheel drive Chevy S10, Chevy Blazer, Jeep Wrangler, Ford F-150, even an Acura Integra in there. Mm-hmm. He had a Saab 92X, did you know? But he had the linear. The non-turbo. True, the non-turbo. True. Still. The non-turbo in, in uh, yeah, the Franken at least car, had the stick. You know. But yes. But yes, that's awesome. That's it says awesome. Saab, made you, by Subaru with Fuji Heavy Industries under the hood. It, it's a very awesome. confused car. But that's one of the things I loved about it. <laughs> what else? Jeep Grand Cherokee, Nissan Xterra, which brings us to his current vehicle, which is mm-hmm. a 2012 Nissan Titan truck. Yep. My neighbor has one of these. The brand new yeah. 17 it's enormous now. Nissan has now figured out the, the if you new compete, one is huge. You gotta go big. Twenty twelve wasn't small. The new no. one looks like you backed a semi into your driveway <laughs> without a cab on it and just went, Yep, that's my truck. Right, right. It's crazy. So his wife has a twenty sixteen Subaru Impreza hatchback with the C V T and here's the headline She doesn't like driving. Doesn't, Hi, Keith's wife. Yeah, d- that's okay. Li- doesn't like driving. That's doesn't want to learn stick. Fine. But what? Here's what's interesting, though. There's a lot of interesting pieces about this. But she loves to ride on the back of his motorcycle. She loves to yeah. ride shotgun if yeah. they go for a fun drive. So she has no issues with fun driving. She doesn't want to be the one doing the driving. Keith's got a 2004 BMW R1150GS, owned since brand new, eighty thousand miles on this bike, and he's also got a 2013 Honda CB500X. Mm-hmm. So a couple of nice bikes. He's driven a lot of nice cars here as well. Have you noticed this list of yeah, things? Yeah, he's, that he's are... clearly been been kind of almost <laughs> shopping. scratching the itch just, here. Just, but but here's the thing I think is interesting about the list he's driven versus the stuff he's owned. The stuff he's owned has no dedicated. Here we go with a sports car. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. stuff he's driven just to try out has all been that. And so we're trying to shop for a sheer fun car, sports car for Keith. But we do have to mention we are dealing with a uh, less than one-year-old son and a yellow lab, which are in the equation too. So pure two-seaters are probably out. But he's definitely got the itch for something that is a sports car. So this is interesting. As I mentioned, he's active duty Navy, and he moves around every two to three years, sometimes earlier. And it sounds like he's going to be breaking that rule again, so he's going to be moving even earlier than that. But the Navy won't move your cars, interestingly enough. So that kind of factors into the equation. He's He loves bikes, loves motorcycles, but he pushes really hard on the sport bikes and really thinking, okay, I've got more stuff and, yeah, more stuff in my life. Being married, you know, young, married, young kid, child. dog. Welcome to stuff. stuff. And most of it's plastic and some sort of bright color. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, so... Here we go. I'm thinking, uh, well, I'm, I'm all over the map, but here's the headline for Keith. He's okay. thinking about a front engine, rear-wheel drive, mm-hmm. manual transmission, 2 plus 2. You kind of see how I chose his email, and it tied oh, sure. in perfectly yes. with the yeah. announcement of your that car being for sale. I, yeah, I, I see that. Here's what I think is interesting, though, about Keith's story is that it's the bike angle. We've had a couple of you write to us with this kind of situation where you love bikes, you've always had bikes. It's been you've had a super fast bike and something like a big truck. And you reach a place for whatever reason, and everybody's personal on this, but you reach a place for some reason where you just realize, I mean, you've talked about this, Paul, as a biker. Mm -hmm. You reach a place where you just go, I shouldn't push that hard on a bike. So you back off on the bikes. And you've gone, Keith, you've gone to total like adventure bikes and like off-road biking, which is cool. But then you want to get your agility and your fast road stuff now out of a car, which you've never had before. Right, right. So this is an interesting kind of new twist for you. Yeah, he's saying the truck does the outdoor stuff. He's kind of into off-roading, but it's all bike stuff. But now when they go camping, camping with the baby, it's going to be car, mostly car-based, apparently. So um, the thing about camping with the baby, yeah, I'm just telling you. That that first night of camping with the baby, you might come home. I'm just letting you know. There is I have I have heard so many stories. Should about you just camping. camp in your backyard then? You hey, I've done it with my son. We it's we we tried the camping actually last summer. We did the whole we did the whole tent in the backyard. Did you slept through the night? 
in the okay. backyard because okay. it's just like, you know what? If this goes really, really badly, we're 20 feet from a bathroom, okay? You know, <laughs> exactly. if it goes great, then awesome. And, hey, he slept outside and we're trying it. But that's the thing. Sure. I have heard plenty sure. of people that have done the infant camping thing. And you just kind of have to be – I'm telling you this right now, Keith. Go somewhere that is not one of those places you've always wanted to go. Go somewhere that is just camping. You just like it. It's camping. And be prepared. Go in with the expectation of, you know what? We may leave at midnight and come home. <laughs> We're and that'll be, out of here. And that will be the perfect reasons. first family camping experience because you don't come in with expectations of, we spent all this money and we went to this place. No, don't do any of that. Right. Just go somewhere and try it. And that's kind of cool. All right. So – We've got uh, the requirements here. We need to talk about the budget, which is twenty grand, limiting me to about twenty-five thousand dollars. Did you see the actual registered trademark on the Paul Liminer? Yes, of his I email? did. Yeah. I think that's the first time anybody has ever done the, the R after Paul Liminer, which now <laughs> means I need to register that URL. And uh, <laughs> all right, so his obtainable dream car, of course, is a Cayman. But as you mentioned. There's more than just his wife in the picture. Mm -hmm. So that is actually out, interestingly. But he gives us a list of contenders here before you and I get to our choices. Contenders are the Infiniti G G37 Coupe. He likes this. He has mm -hmm. the recipe. He's thinking about the BMW 135i or IS. What about the 128? BMW 228 is on the list, which is great. Mm -hmm. GT86, of course, your car is on the yep, list, yep. and a GTI is last on his thinking here. He said it's genuinely fun. He really likes the loading flexibility, but front-wheel drive. So mm -hmm. is it bad to have two hatchbacks, essentially, yeah, with his wife and Preza, family, yeah. if they had the GTI? His wife thinks so, <laughs> interestingly. And so he would like to get a WRX or STI hatch mm -hmm. while he had the Impreza hatch in the garage. He's not trying to do that, you know, same car kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the, there's a can, chance for for an actual coupe here. That. There's a chance for an actual rear-wheel drive coupe, and he's hoping for that. Mm -hmm. And that Cayman is an interesting thing to, to give as kind of a touchstone because it is out because it's only two seats. But it's the car he clearly, based on his email, keeps coming back to. Right, right. So that is an interesting thing to discuss. Twenty-five grand, huh? I 228i really sticks out on my list. I know it's only two doors. I realize that. But all of these are going to be. I mean, that, But all they going are going coupe, to be, yeah. correct. We've got the Impreza. That's going to be the car camping thing. Still have the bike. But I'm just, of everything on this list, as interestingly as I think one of these car debates would, you know, somebody's perfectly suited for your car. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But that 228 just sticks out in my mind. If yeah. you get a yeah, couple-year-old cool one car. now... Absolutely, twenty-five grand, mm -hmm. low miles, mm -hmm. yeah. all of that stuff, and it's got a real trunk on it. Yeah, it's a longer yeah. car than the one M or the one thirty-five I and the one twenty-eight I that you suggest here, Keith. Mm. I like the two series. I like the proportions better. That's why I like the M two so much. But the two twenty-eight I is the one we tracked. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it a lot. It's just, it's genuinely fun and it's usable. It has yeah. a real back seat. In it's it. it's surprisingly good dynamically, and it's you know you you think okay I bought the base BMW, but yet it's surprisingly good dynamically. And you make a comment here where you've heard that because it's got the lighter weight front end, it can be more fun than the two thirty five the M two thirty five. Maybe I mean obviously we've driven the M two thirty five in lots and lots of situations. The thing about the two twenty eight that's great is just it's surprisingly good kind of across the yeah. board. So I think yeah. that's a good contender. Keep going. Well, I, I'm kind of at this GTI discussion about the two hatch thing. Okay. Yeah. I think it can work. I think it can because the Impreza, let's be honest with ourselves, it's not the fun sports car. It's got the CVT. This is your wife's car. This is the camping car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is not the car you bought to fill the need. So if you get another hatch, we're going to say blessings and have at it. If you really like that GTI, I'm all for it. I mean, that's just going to be a really fun car, especially yeah. with the manual transmission. Yeah. Easy to drive. So much fun here. And, yeah, you've still got the option of, you know, a little bit of usability there. The function is there. I suppose, yeah. I, I don't see that. My, my first choice is that 228i. I'm okay. still all about that car. Okay. And uh, I'm just – I don't know. I don't know that GT86 is really um, – really something here. It's a good option here. I mean, he makes the comment. He says he's concerned about road trip comfort and uh, the niceness of the interior or the lack of niceness of the interior. And Keith, I, I have to back your play there. It isn't as nice as the other things on this list. So if that's yeah. if that's a real contender or, or, or consideration here, that is a problem. I have one that's not on the list. I have a wild card that's not on the list. And okay. I want to speak to a couple on your list. 
Okay. All right. I <laughs> like that you've been driving this list here. We didn't even mention oh, yeah. the vehicles that he's been driving. Cayman S, Corvette Z06, of course, the GTI. Wow, you even drove a Macan S. Excellent. And the Miatas. Two NC different generations. Yeah, yeah. That's great. 335. You know, I like I said, I may just leave it right there. I, I think of our Korean options. I think of the Japanese options. There are things I could suggest, but really just something that you're going to really enjoy and just mm. delight in. Mm. That's why I keep coming back to this car. But okay. you've got other suggestions. I'm curious. I, I have I have a couple things I want to run through. I've got a wild card that is a genuine wild card, but I want to talk about a couple on your list, Keith, and then I want to add one. You mentioned the Infiniti G37 Coupe. Yes. I mean, this is essentially the larger, softer variation of the Nissan Z car. Right, right. And you've got, you know, two plus two. We like this car. It's it's good looking. It has it actually walks that line pretty well of seeming like a luxury car and seeming like a sports car. It does a really good job of being both. Versus something like the GT eighty six, which is clearly just a cheap sports car. Yeah. The Infinity yeah. does both. So I think that's a great contender. You brought up the BMW one thirty five I or IS. I'm going to say if you can find yourself an IS and you like that car, that is the almost one M. It's very, very close to the 1M. Sure. It's, it's almost sure. like the budget version of the 1M. I think you should take a serious look at that car if you can find it. Look, you could do the standard 135i, still good. You could do the 128 with the Sport Pack, fine. But I think the, the one that makes that generation worthwhile is if you can find the IS for your money. So I want to put that out there. Sure, so, sure. And he mentions that here in the list. He, yeah, he it, it's one of them. That. But I think that's the one of that generation. I personally would say don't go for that generation Unless you can find the IS, and then it becomes a massive frontrunner contender. I would, I, I would lean toward your suggestion, Paul, of the 228 mm-hmm. in general versus that 1 Series, unless that IS comes up, and then that's a unique little car. Unless the IS. Yeah. And the reason is, I've been shopping for these 135Is, and the nice ones are thirty grand. Mm. And I'm thinking, if, if the 228i is already on the list... Get the newer car. Sure. The little sure, bit bigger, yeah. more usable, still great to drive. Yeah, well, absolutely. Get the newer car. Yeah. Unless that IS comes up somehow. It's a unique little animal because you, yeah. you, it's, it's the car nobody knows about, and it, it, it is the almost 1M. So I wanted to mention that. I'm going to keep you away from the GTI personally. I mean, if, if you're not, you like it, but everything else on your list is the same kind of thing. It's the rear wheel mm-hmm. drive focused fun car. Yeah. The GTI is a little more of the compromised car, still fun. But let's let's stay away from that. I there's one that's not on here <laughs> that fits the, all this category, and that is the Infinity. I mean, pardon me, that is the the, the Infinity Infinity Clone, the Genesis Coupe. Yeah, the yeah. three point okay. eight Genesis Coupe fold down back seat. I mean, here's talk about here's the what the Genesis yeah. Coupe does. It is the nicer place to be than the FRS. Sure. Your problem with sure. the with GT eighty six platform is it's not a nice enough place to be. You're wondering about road trip quality of it. I, I hear you. But you've got the fold-down back seat in the Genesis Coupe, and you've got a nicer place to be. Now, the uh, the manual transmission is not as nice. It's not quite as agile. It is a larger car. But this is side-by-side comparison stuff. The Genesis Coupe is a genuine contender in this category. Mm-hmm. You can find mm-hmm. them for good deals. Now, it is, do you want the nicer version of the G37 Coupe? I feel like the Genesis is a little more focused sports car than the G37. I agree. So which way are you leaning as far as how yeah. nice does it need to be? But this is a real contender. I feel like it solves the problems that you're concerned about with the FRS while staying fairly close to it. You know, that makes me think of uh, the upcoming, the forthcoming Genesis. Whatever Hyundai does with the next yeah. gen, I'm, I'm really Their looking new forward brand. to that yeah. car. Mm-hmm. I like your suggestion, but I would go as new as possible on that Genesis. Oh, I agree. Keith, yeah. if you're going to do that, I would say... Yeah, new as possible, the 3.8, as you said. The, the V6 is much generation. better than the 2-liter turbo in yeah, that car. I, yeah. I would definitely go 3.8 if you can find that for your budget. I think that's the way to go. And then I have a wild card. Okay, all right. Keith is a guy that likes sport bikes, and he's getting away from sport bikes. Yes. He's a guy that needs more than two seats, but he's kind of used to the sport bike insanity. Okay. Evo. Now, now we're away from front-engine rear-wheel drive, I know. But if I was going to think about what is the, if I was going to think about what's the sport bike equivalent, I would go Honda S two thousand, sure for sheer car. But we can't sure. go two seats. So if I go now, all right, mm. if I got to go more than two seats and I want kind of sport bike personality, I wind up at the Evo ten. Now it's four door, yeah. it's all wheel drive, but the agility, the personality of that, I submit that it is a four seat, four door sport bike in many many ways. Now, there's not a big uh, trunk there, but you are gaining full back seats. 
So that I'm going to put it in the full wild card category. <laughs> but I, I, I'm telling you, Evo, Evo 10, at least go drive one, Keith. That's what I'm saying to you. At least drive yeah, that Yeah, and he's got some time. He's not moving for a little while here, maybe late summer here. So he's got to get some test drives in. But you realize if he goes for the Mitsubishi, he will have a Subaru and a Mitsubishi, Coke and Pepsi oh, in yeah. the same garage. Of course he will. But they couldn't be more different. They're true. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, talk about the rivalry. It's, yeah, I yeah. mean, can you deal with the rivalry in your garage? Yeah. And you could go stick shift, which you would have a lot of fun with. Or you could go yeah. with their uh, dual clutch, and your wife could drive it, and she might be surprised by how much she likes that car. I'm just saying. <laughs> maybe. It's a wild card. Talk it's about a, a wild high-strung card. car. But, it, but it, isn't it kind of the four-door, all-wheel drive sport bike in some ways? I mean, I feel like it has that personality. It is. And, and so much more so than the STI. The STI does not come across like that to me. I, I think it's the, truly a, a you know a sports car mm-hmm. rather than the Evo is is frenetic enough to have yeah. that kind of I, I I used to fly around on bikes and now I'm in this car and I and I would kind of go yeah I see that. <laughs> well, Keith, to answer your question, what am I missing? I don't think you're missing much here. I like your list. Hopefully, this helps. But you do have some time to go doing some test drives. What are you thinking? Well, for those of you that are listening and going, wait a minute, why is Camaro or Mustang not listed? I should say, oh, good. There's Glad a caveat this in this email that says he does not want a Camaro or Mustang. It's not his style. He took them off the list in his emails. I, so, for those of you that are going, why aren't those cars brought up? That's why they aren't here. So, Keith, hopefully, something here you do like. I'm the one that always talks about dogs and kids and messes in cars. <laughs> You've That's, got them. I have both of the above. And the problem with the dog is the dog goes everywhere. You know, my, my wife has a Cayenne with leather seats. How do you protect that? Yeah. I have to have a cover for the backseat of our car. And Covercraft has an entire canine section. Yeah, not only that, they've got a section for just about everything in your car, from dash mats, the sun protectors, the sunscreens. Those, awesome. Those are great. Not to mention the covers. I've been using them for years. If you go to Covercraft, don't forget to use the word debate, the code debate, for free shipping in the U.S. All right, let's do Greg's debate here. He is near Albany, New York, and he writes to us saying that his name's Greg. He lives in upstate New York. He's not in the mountains, but near the Hudson River Valley, where snowfall occasionally is measured in feet. Okay. (laughs) So he's now at this new time in his life. He's the father of two adult children. And I'm guessing the way you describe it, so your older older, child is passing the Kia Soul to his brother. Kia Soul. Two boys. Well done. You concluded that. You included the Kia Soul here. I mean, a Kia Soul for your first car? How lucky are you? (laughs) That's fantastic news. All right. So, But we're shopping for his 18-year-old son Mm -hmm. who brought you to our show. Which is very cool. So, Greg, welcome and hi, guys. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> to, well, to both of you. But, but I mean, oh, no. I think this is a really cool thing because not only did your sons bring this up, I, I applaud you, Greg, as a dad for having this brought to you and being like, what is this? And really <laughs> What's digging all this in. Then? Exactly. Really digging in and then discovering, thanks to your boys, it's like, hey, this is awesome, guys. I love it. You feel like you've discovered for the first time that cars can be fun. And we're here to be your bad influence. So I'm really glad that, <laughs> that we can influence the whole family in that car negative disease way. But uh, yeah, so thanks for being with us. We love to have you here. So we're looking for your 18 year old son. And we're thrilled that you're now shopping. You even said it. You were looking Toyota Corolla Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. And that has now shifted to things like uh, FRS or Fiesta ST. Perfect. <laughs> I love this so much. All right. So Greg's budget is seventeen five and strictly limiting. He also writes with the Paul limiter, eighteen grand. So mm-hmm. we are cut off at $18,000. We can get a lot of car for a new driver, yeah. brand new teen driver in mm-hmm. this category, yeah. which Greg writes to us and says, here's the things that I'm considering. Starting off with the Audi TT. Okay. He's also got the Genesis Coupe on his list here. I noticed that. I noticed that. And then go on three different Fords. Fiesta ST, Focus ST, and the EcoBoost Mustang. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have some concerns around the Mustang for new driver ownership. Just don't go to a Cars and Coffee. That's not really all you do. To be honest. Uh, Interesting choice of the Nissan Juke Nismo RS on here, which Mm -hmm. I noticed is available with a six-speed manual in the front-wheel drive configuration only. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Porsche Boxster's on here, and then your car, and then the BRZ. Yeah. 
Greg, yeah, just saying. Both the 86 comparisons are here. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's car, and it's already got mods. It's and got it's, two and different it's in the budget. Look at that. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I that's mean, not really the reason to talk about this, but it is out there. You're right. It is the elephant in the room. Just saying. It's the large orange elephant in the room. It but is. It's there. Well, you always say that you drive an orange teenager's car. I do. Here I do. we're looking for an 18 Greg, year old person. <laughs> Greg, bring your teenagers to me. I have a car for them. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. All right. Well, I like that safety is a primary concern for you, Greg, because. Yeah, the the reports that we get from the National Highway Traffic Safety Institute is it's very concerning for new drivers. Mm-hmm. So safety is a primary thing. Insurance should be a primary thing for you as oh, well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's easy for us to talk about what is the hottest thing I can buy in this price category, mm-hmm. and that's not going to jive with car control and learning car control and all those things. Yeah. They've got the rest of their lives to own hot cars. That's we fair. all do, right? That's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, with my grandfather who bought a new car when he was 98 years old, we've got our whole lives to own fun, fast cars. <laughs> I still love that he did that. <laughs> I love the idea of I'd like the new car with the extended warranty. Yes, I'm 98. What's your problem? Where do I sign? The definition of optimism. My grandfather. Uh, anyway, so they have their whole lives to have hot cars. And I like that they're thinking this way because mm-hmm. Fiesta STs mm-hmm. are now 12 grand. Yes, they're practically disposable. Which they is really are. But insurance is a primary ingredient here of It's going to be a deciding factor when they yeah. have this discussion yeah. because they may, they may find something they love and they may look at insurance and go, wait, nope, that just got off the list. So just to repeat, you've probably heard it on the podcast before, but when we talk about safety, we think that the safest car is the one that is able to avoid the accident in the first place. True. True, yeah. Out-handle, out-brake, out-accelerate. Maybe not out-accelerate, but something that is able to avoid the accident to mm-hmm. begin with, that's what we like. Well, now, but insurance sees it differently. True, absolutely. And and here's the thing. From a parenting perspective, you often see it differently, too. You want the largest thing on the planet that can yeah. compete against the 18-wheeler and has the most airbags. I understand <laughs> that. I see the parental logic there. Yeah. I do. But here's the problem. As I've mentioned before in seeing like massive, full-size, huge pickups driven by brand-new drivers, the problem with the really big stuff, while, okay, yes, you've put them in a, in a big airbagged planet, it's harder to manhandle that stuff. I don't care what kind of driver you are. I don't care how long you've been driving. Unless you're used to that, that is hard. Now, if you're a new driver in that situation, back to what you're saying, Paul, the get-out-of-the-situation mm. discussion is directly connected to that driver's ability to actually manhandle their car. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have a car that the the driver is in tune with and knows how to drive. So mm-hmm. that's the thing I, I like right there with you about the smaller stuff. But of course, there is a there is an inverse equation here. The smaller stuff typically, because it is smaller and it's going up against the big boys, that is a little bit of a safety concern. I'm going to say in general, we're not going to go through this list and just talk safety. But uh, the NTSB no, website no. is your friend. You can talk about, you can compare and contrast. You can find the things, okay, what are the star ratings? Obviously, a Fiesta ST with a massive star rating is going to do worse in a wreck than an Escalade. It is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Fiesta yeah. ST, I believe, would be, be less likely to be in that wreck if the driver is really connected to it than trying to get that Escalade to stop, to turn, yeah. to whatever. I'm not actually recommending the Fiesta ST here, but I'm just using these two as kind of bookends to explain the difference. Greg, I had a Honda Accord when I was, yeah, early college years. I had, actually, it was my second Accord that I'm thinking of that was a manual transmission. And I really wrung everything out, I, you know, everything out of that car that I could in discovering the joy of driving. And I learned more and more as Todd, you know, we talk about tires we talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. dynamics and all that kind of stuff. And so I almost think about, yes, I like that we're at the the sports cars, the STs of the world. I like that you're thinking this. I just want to offer some other, if funny enough, you might think we would endorse the choices immediately. But again, insurance comes into play. Yeah, yeah. If a Porsche is on your list, a Porsche of any kind, your insurance agent will think that his second boat payment is going to be paid exactly. or his yeah. third vacation home. Yeah. He's going to see you coming a mile away. So I'm going to say no Porsche mm-hmm. for any brand new driver. I, I don't agree. care how inexpensive the car is. I agree. Maintenance and the insurance agent is going to greet you with fanged teeth. For those of you that are shocked right now, uh, it did just happen. Paul specifically <laughs> said no Porsche. But I have caveat, to completely caveat. agree with you because there, there's two parts of that equation. Yes, there is the, the budgetary consideration. And then there's also, I think, the precious situation. 
If you put sure, your young driver sure. in a Porsche and they ding it, how much more frustrated are you going to be than, oh, you dinged the Ford Focus? Look, you don't want them to ding either one. But even right, the cheap right. Porsche, it's just going to have that natural sensation of what's this going to cost to fix? Oh, my gosh, you dinged this car. I think you need to get cars that aren't precious. I mean, I actually like the 86 platform better than the Boxster because of that. Yeah. They're, they're almost, and the Fiesta ST and some of these we're talking about, they almost are disposable cars in headspace versus sure, even, you, sure. Look, I could go out right now and buy a Boxster that is cheaper than the FRS. I could. Surprisingly so. And yeah. yet I still believe that I would have some sort of demeanor of, but I really want to be careful with this, more so than the mm-hmm. FRS that's actually worth more, yeah. which is kind of interesting. The other thing going on here is the Boxster that is in your budget is significantly older than the 86 or the Fiesta or whatever. If you're worried about safety, go as new as you possibly can, which is another reason the Porsche is off. I agree, although I have a car on my list that is older. Okay. And I want to present this to you because it fits the recipe, but by going older, I feel like the insurance company wouldn't look at it as, hey, the newest, hottest Mm. sports car. It would cost you less, but still offer the dynamics of what we preach front engine rear drive although this is a front wheel drive car but it's got that sports car kind of feel about it 1998 honda prelude five speed now it's an older car it is yeah it does still have airbags whereas if you went with the nismo juke yes it's got airbags everywhere i think the airbags are significantly safer i bet you yeah so i'm just wondering about you know from the precious factor from the you could buy it for even less and I've always liked these Preludes. They're like the Hyundai Genesis. They're like the GT86. Again, even mm-hmm. though they're front-wheel drive, yeah. I wish they were rear, rear. However, just a consideration of going older for that very first car. You've got time to work up, yeah. and it's still got airbags. It's still a safe car. I'm just wondering. I'm putting that out there. All right, so moving on from that, we've talked about the Miatas, the NB and the NC Miatas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as really great driver's cars Absolutely. for beginning drivers, Absolutely. especially since you mentioned in here that your son is not yet adept in the manual shifting, but he's not averse to learning. He wants to learn, yeah, yeah. I think this has got to be a manual transmission car. I, I really think so, do. too. I mean, we've talked about that before. It it gives the driver stuff to do, mm-hmm. yeah. and, it, and it requires yeah. more focus. Yeah. How about a Hyundai Veloster or a base Golf? I love that you thought both of those. I had both of those on my list, believe it or not. Did you really? Yes. No yeah. kidding. I'm just wondering about both of these cars because the dynamics of both are interesting, but they're in the base form less powerful and therefore mm-hmm. less prone to mm-hmm. higher insurance costs. Uh, agree, agreed. You know, we could go Veloster Turbo, we could go GTI, mm-hmm. but pushing down from that. Now, again, we're not suggesting Corollas and you know base foci, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's yeah. we're still looking for the platform that fun, but. Gosh, the insurance is such a consideration. Well, I think that's the thing about a lot of the ones on the list. I want to say Fiesta, Focus, the GTI, the Veloster, all of these are in the same category. And that is, Greg, investigate with your sons what is the difference in insurance and in just purchase cost of getting Mm -hmm. the non-hot one versus the hot one. You may find the perfect combination. I'm not going to pretend that I know how the insurers uh, sit here and calculate this. You may find the perfect combination of the hotter version that doesn't hit you too bad on insurance and get into it cost. So I think you've got to look at it. And then you've got to really weigh, and your sons need to weigh as well, what's their comfort level with all of these cars. I think all of them could be really fun. I think a GTI would be a great car Oh yeah, if you can afford the insurance and getting into it. And I, I actually like the Veloster quite a bit in this scenario Do you? because it's because it's just interesting and it has yeah, it yeah. even in the base form. If you watch our old review of it, even in the base form, it has it had surprising dynamics. That's the thing about it. It was much better than either one of us expected. Mm-hmm. It's a quirky yeah. little car. It's not for everybody, but it's a cool little car. I think the Miatas are great ones. I think here's the thing: the Boxster goes off when the Miata comes on. That's the thing. If we're going to talk Agreed. about convertible yeah. for this scenario, the Boxster leaves and the Miata joins. I don't know that that's the answer, but I think that's what fills that slot. Of course, the 86s work. Uh, the Mustang, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Genuinely, what do you think? I, I'm I'm cautious around well, a Mustang and new drivers. The, the thing don't is, care what engine The thing is. is, are these this cheap now? Are they already this cheap? I guess they are. I uh, guess quite, they are. Yeah. You're going to find a few. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're dealing with turbo. 
which is which is true of some of these others, the STs and the Fiestas. I mean, they're in that situation. You deal with a Fiesta and it doesn't have torque steer. Not really. You deal with the Focus, it has torque steer. So be advised on that. Obviously, the Mustang will not have front-wheel drive torque steer. Uh, so you have that scenario. Part of me wondered why the Camaro wasn't on here, and then I thought about visibility. That's the problem with the Camaro. Mm, that's a good Thinking point. about a new driver and dealing with visibility issues, I actually think, as crazy as this sentence is going to be, I think the 86 platform has better visibility than the Camaro, <laughs> which is kind of shocking. That's kind of weird um, to say. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll, look, we'll go this way. A convertible, the Miata, with a top-up is not going to have great visibility either. True, true. So these are all things to consider. Um, but, uh, I think, I don't think the Mustang's a bad choice here. I really don't. I think it's, a, I think it's a worthwhile choice if you can get into it for your money, but uh, yeah, it, everybody be careful. Trade-offs, bigger yeah. car. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you know, it's going to have a lot of power and, but it's new, plenty it's of safety equipment yeah. and it's not, yeah. look, that has plenty of power for a new driver. It has plenty of power for most people, plenty of power for a new driver. It is rear wheel drive dynamics. It's a good car. It's a very good car. But, yeah, you're right. We're dealing in trade-offs. But I love how new it is because the safety will be pretty good in it. Now, those of you overseas have seen that Mustangs have got terrible crash ratings. In the, there's a side rating thing that they do overseas sure. that, that uh, has not done well on that. So be careful. Definitely look up the NTSB safety things and check that out. That's only, actually the only concern I have on the Mustang is that weird crash thing. I feel like this is a different scenario than when our parents grew up because you might be listening and thinking, I had an Oldsmobile 442 or I had a really hot Mustang GT350 or whatever when I was growing up and I was yeah. a new driver. Yeah. It just seems like the world has changed in terms of insurance regulations and you know new drivers and traffic, the increased amount of traffic on roads yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like it's it's a different time. I mean, it sounds well, profound, but... But I also, you know what I also wonder though? We're talking about the proliferation of distracted driving. Yeah, I mean, you know, twenty years ago, and texting and all that stuff. Twenty years ago, the exist. only distraction possible was the friends you had in the car. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. And now, with the smartphone, that is the least of your worries because if there's no friends in the car, you could still be completely distracted by the smartphone. This is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then there's look. I'm going to say this. This is controversial. It's very controversial. But I'm going to put it out there, Greg. Certain cars, I know the, the Golfs do this, they have a, an app in them, and you can track the car that your teenager's oh, in. Yeah, yeah. I am neither endorsing nor reviling. It exists. So you have to figure out with your right, situation right. and your kids, is that something that you want? I will also say for those of you that think it's terrible, if you're carrying a smartphone, someone can track you. I don't care if the car's got an app or not. <laughs> if true. you really are worried about it, your smartphone is a rolling tracking device. Guess what? the satellite could see you. This is true. All right. Well, Greg, hopefully uh, you and your guys figure something out that's the best, the right balance. You know, maybe you pay less for a car and save more money for insurance. And that mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. solves the equation, whatever that is. We do hope you're in something fun, but the best thing you can do to upgrade your car is upgrade the driver. Keep that yeah. in mind, yeah. especially with these guys learning to drive. Driver's ed is not the thing that is, no, that's not nearly enough. It, it's that's a, a joke. beginning point. It's a joke. So what if you bought a less expensive car and spent money on a real driving school mm -hmm. for these boys? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's and excellent. then they get good with their Miata or their cheaper car. Yeah. yeah. And then you know they can handle anything. The more power you add, mm -hmm. then you're fine with it. And that relieves your mind. That could be a consideration. So maybe some of your budget is for a performance driving school I think that's a fantastic, early in life. I think that's a fantastic choice. They exist. Go to one that's got a skid car because you're yes. talking about dealing with weather. Yes. Go to one that's got a skid car. And then I'm also going to preach it again. Tires, tires, tires. Any of these cars you go with, look at what tires exist. Look at what tires you need. Have a consideration. Seriously, you're talking about having lots of snow. Look into maybe getting some performance summers so you've got really good grip and some really good winters and head down that route. And if we're going to talk tires and how they change a car, we'll also say this. You could go Honda Accord Coupe. You could. Get you some could. nice tires on that. Good six-speed. Yeah. It's an under-the-radar car as far as a, you know, a boy racer car. An insurance person's not going to look at a Honda Accord Coupe and be like, oh, boy racer car. They're just not. <laughs> so I think put that on there as well. That's a little bit of an outlier, but I think it's worthwhile. All right, so we've got so many questions here on all yes. three platforms. Man, I'm jumping right into Twitter for Jason P's question. Okay. This could also run long. I don't intend it to, 
But his question is, what would we tell aspiring automotive journalists slash YouTubers? <laughs> Jason, Todd and I talk about this a lot. Don't do what we did. No, that's not right. <laughs> that, that's... There's, uh, there's some highlights in my mind, and I'm going to try to keep it high level without going too deep. Yeah, because welcome to the next three hours of the podcast, for sure. Yeah, I, um, I feel like uh, you, you can't make a viral video. You absolutely you cannot think, make a viral video. Uh, unless you're drag racing anything against a Tesla Model S, but still, you know what I mean? You can't yeah. create YouTube gold and just think, all right, I'm going to make a splash and I'm going to have you know, all these subscribers and sure, sure. all this yeah. and that. I brought up this thought with you the other day yeah. about relating this to Kickstarter. Hmm. We're all familiar with Kickstarter. We're over it unless it's something really <laughs> cool. But when you're on Kickstarter and you fulfill whatever it is, your program that you say you're going to do, mm -hmm. generally, mm -hmm. it's a product. Sometimes there have been games, films, sure, sure. and But the other product thing actually works stuff. best because ultimately you're, you're getting funding from the, the group think in order to create a product and you give them the product on the back end. That is the one that is the cleanest way to do it for sure. Right. So if you have a tangible product, when you get to the end of your campaign and you fulfill all the orders, mm -hmm. do you have a company? Or have you just Excellent. fulfilled the order? Or have you just made a product for one time through? That's and were you profitable? Question. Did it's you run it question. as a business throughout fulfilling all these orders so you ideally end your Kickstarter campaign and emerge as a business? Ideally, yeah. Ideally. So apply that to YouTube. Mm, okay. Is creating videos a business? Because YouTube can be very fickle. They are, I mean, you stop creating Not videos. Not even can be. Is. Yeah. Is very much. And the, the thought that I had was YouTube does not respond to any traditional business model where you, over time, build a business, hire employees, you have a product, you make product improvements, <laughs> sure, on right. and on, and you can sure. measure incremental growth. Yeah. Whereas one day you could be the hottest thing ever, and the next day you're struggling. Yeah. And YouTube doesn't necessarily reward quality, which is what you and oh, I they have absolutely don't. discovered. No, that's not what it's about. But we never went in really thinking it would. It's just yeah. been, I guess, magnified and confirmed for mm -hmm. us that that's mm -hmm. the case. So if you want to really be an automotive journalist, YouTube star, there's plenty of room for everybody. Sure. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff out there and continue, will continue to be. Mm -hmm. But again, are you approaching it like a business or do you just want to create fun videos or are you doing it yeah. for the love of cars? Agreed. Agreed. I think you re you, you've you touched on the thing that was rattling around in my brain. This is such a huge topic. It is. What's rattling around in my brain is to what end? What's your reason for doing it? If it's literally right. I want to get in some cars, I want to make some videos, this would be fun. I think that is a perfectly legitimate reason. Sure. Absolutely. If you want to be the next star – um, okay, that's difficult. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've mentioned this before, but I feel like YouTube right now is exactly where blogs, written blogs were 10 years ago. Okay. 10 years ago, there were all these people you could bump into that had a blog that was getting this many million hits, and it was just them sharing their thoughts. Mm -hmm. YouTube has become vlog, I hate that term, but vlog central. Yeah. Where it is one person yeah. staring at a camera, you all use the same gear, you use the same bendy tripod, you walk around, you stare at the camera, you talk. Some Honestly, some vloggers are riveting. They just are. They're personalities sure. you watch. Sure. Some vloggers, I'm 30 seconds in and I must do something else with this part of my life. <laughs> it, but, but it's all the same yeah. platform. It, it strikes me as exactly where blogs were at that point. There were so many rich, multi-millionaire bloggers at one point where they yeah. were all reviewing product and they had millions and millions of people reading. That's what happens to YouTube. YouTube is rewarding the vlogging platform more than anything. But just because you started a vlog doesn't mean you're going to blow up. Exactly. But it, it, but if you're wanting YouTube success, you are better off. I hate to say this, but it is true. You're better off doing a vlogging as fast content as you can than doing what we do. Yeah, But we yeah. didn't set out to be on YouTube. We set out to create a brand and create a certain level of quality of video. And for a time, our outlet has been YouTube. It will continue to be YouTube, but yes. YouTube is a piece of a much larger plan for us. And we have a style that I have to say, as YouTube has grown over the last decade, YouTube has moved away from us even further. Mm -hmm. I would also say, Jason, that if this is what you want to do, don't think you're going to make a bunch of money because you might. <laughs> Auto journalists and rich people <laughs> rarely are the same person. Again, you have to choose independently wealthy 
or automotive journalist. <laughs> these are the One folks of the driving the cars, yeah. Both of these categories get to drive lots of fun, cool cars. There's a vast difference in income level with each group. <laughs> but across the board, gain driving skill. Don't just be another also ran and you're obviously you know, not that great at driving. There's plenty of those people out there. And, I, and I'm, going, I'm going to be a director for one brief moment. <laughs> for one brief moment. Okay. Why is it that the only actual expression of a car's quickness or agility that most vloggers have is to laugh? <laughs> you, you're going to watch you're me drive wrong. this car. I'm going to start cackling. And that's my description. Really? I mean, look, and, and, and I, call out your speed at every ten mile oh, yes, increment. Yes, right? yes, read read the speed as it goes up. Please don't do that either. But but you know, <laughs> as somebody that I I do love it when a car excites me to the point that I just can't help but laugh. I get it. But hopefully, hopefully, we're actually giving you some descriptive sensations of it, and maybe laughter is one of the things. But there are vloggers, and look, I consume a lot of content in spite of the stuff we make. There are a lot of vloggers where I'm not sure they have a description beyond. Oh, look, I'm laughing. Right, right. Uh, okay, you laughed at the last one. You know what? You laughed at the one before that. I have no frame of reference. <laughs> or you could just go to every conceivable car show on the planet and video the most expensive cars that exist, and there's you'll blow money up. In that. There's the, there's the, the, the alleyway behind Harrods that is yeah. London Car Spotter Central, and all of those fakes, folks make more money than we do. All of them do. Just Hang Just out there. Car spotting. There we go. They've got 8 million Instagram followers <laughs> because they essentially, they probably sleep in a sleeping bag behind Harrods and take photos and probably make money. Do. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what's on your list here for, uh, for questions? Uh, Again, not a Yeah. 20 minutes later, there's that short YouTube version. Wow. Yeah, Ariopolis wrote in on uh, Instagram. And this isn't a question. I just, it's not really a question. I just wanted to acknowledge it. He asks, where are all the colors for cars? Oh, yes. Black, white, and gray are not colors. This is his statement. And I just wanted to call this out to just say this to you, Ariopolis. You are my people. <laughs> I just, I have no thoughts other than thank you. I'm glad to know there are others out there. No comment beyond, we, we are one, my friend, for sure. <laughs> I could make the strong argument that black is a color. As a matter of fact, it's all of the colors. Okay. I comes, could make this argument. Comes the designer, yes. But uh -huh. but I'll just leave it right there. But I but look, I, I know I am I am shooting fish in a barrel when it comes to things, things I like about the Lotus Elise, but I will say to you that the Lotus Elise does not look good in black. I agree with that. The Lotus Elise I in agree. black blends all of the curves and all of the, all of the vents that are normally black on it suddenly blend with the bodywork, and it becomes far less interesting to look at. Sure. That sure, is a car that's actually as crazy as it is. As much as I don't like silver or gray, is better in silver or gray than black. There's some colors that make a car pop. There's some it's colors weird, that are inappropriate. It? The study and use of color for color marketing group and throughout the design industry is massive. It's very, very carefully considered. If you think it's not, the people who mix paint colors <laughs> at PPG or whoever that well, is... It's a it's a science. It is very carefully studied, and they keep tracking colors. Yeah. And whites and grays are always the thing everybody buys. And I just yeah. I sigh. But okay, I get it. it I'm wanna, over white, to be honest. If I you want to sell a car, color. you need to buy it in white or gray. If you're worried about how you sell it, but, yeah, all right, or resale red, as it were. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, what else? I Pure Walsh on I Instagram here has heard about my indie car hard card a few weeks back on the podcast. He wondered if we had any other races earmarked on the schedule that he was thinking about attending, most notably Road America. I will use this opportunity to say that we are going to be announcing some in the U.S. in North America events, driving events mm -hmm. that will be mm -hmm. less involved in our pilgrimage trip that we have announced last podcast. Yes. But Road America could be one of them. We're really looking strongly at that. We, we shall see. Not announced yet. To answer your question, I am looking at Sonoma, the last race on the IndyCar calendar for 2017. It is the GoPro Grand Prix of Sonoma. Heard it's nice, and that is a possibility. GoPro Grand Prix. It is. You should see the IndyCar list. You should see some of these sponsors. The GoPro Grand Prix. There's okay. the ABC Supply 500, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. What else? Here's a good one. 
the Rain Guard Water Sealer 600. That's coming up soon after that the Indy 500. That sounds riveting. That only it's works. Coming. That only works if they can plan it when they know it's going to be a deluge of water. <laughs> Otherwise, that's a ridiculous sponsor. But hey, it's money, right? <laughs> but of course, Road America is in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, for the Kohler Grand Prix. I mean, what other company than Kohler would sponsor this race, <laughs> right? So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Sonoma as the last race here to to, uh, to go to. Oscar, I'm. Uh, I like what you wrote, and you wrote it on Facebook, and you included a video. And this is gonna get. This is gonna get almost inside joke for a minute, okay? But I am gonna answer <laughs> okay. your question. You sent a video, so go to our Facebook page and look. You sent a video that is a clip. Looks like to be a clip from the from an Italian film in the '70s, okay? It's like a James <laughs> Bond spoof, not spoof, but it's like a James Bond style car chase. And your question is just here's the link of the video. You said, "Hey, Todd, is this sped up?" So I watched it. It's a section of this. <laughs> quite involved car chase okay in two old italian cars in fact the, the bad guys here. bad guys are driving an old alpha uh but i started watching it two things going on here yes there is definitely sped up footage in that typically uh, if you want to watch it get on the whole inside baseball thing happening here <laughs> once they get out of the cityscape there starts to be sped up footage that's where it starts to to, to show however prior to that in the city i don't even think it's real footage let me rephrase the car in the background really? has been really shot by the camera vehicle, but the guy in the foreground is what they call rear projection. He's mm, sitting in a mm. studio. He is properly lit in a studio, and the car out the windows is being projected on a screen behind him. This is the way they used to do this before green screens. I'm almost positive that is rear screen projection, where they drove the Alpha through town following a camera vehicle, and then they choreographed the actor in front to do the steering right and left to match what's going on in the rear projection. <laughs> so it's rear projection in the city, I'm almost certain. And there's sped right. up footage when they get out of the city. This is nothing to take away the fact that there's actually some really good driving in that piece. I'm going to get this geeky. I think this was shot at about 18 frames and then sped up to 24. <laughs> this is fascinating. So that's what I'm thinking. I love it. I love it. I'm just marveling at how thin and huge those steering wheels are. <laughs> They're super thin. It's like a spaghetti noodle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> anyway. I mean, he's sawing away at the wheel. I think it's front it, – yeah, it's rear projection for the front shot. And then, yeah, sped up after that. And still – they're still hooning those cars, but you're hooning a car and needing to make it look fast on camera. So you shoot it at 18 frames a second. It plays back at 24, and it is slightly faster. <laughs> Dual Rockwell on Instagram <clears throat> also sent us an image asking about the rear wipers of German cars, new German cars. So he's saying they look broken or incomplete because the plastic <laughs> doesn't cover the entire wiper mm. in one smooth shape. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I, I agree. I'm thinking that it needs to have a better look. But quickly, think about the accountants got involved and part sharing yeah. and factory capabilities, yeah. all these things. And maybe one car uses the same wiper, but they have a cover over the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Or it has to clear a spoiler on a different model. So or... we need a longer wiper, but not a longer arm. Exactly. Or, yeah, that's a great point. Exactly. And, and the thing that happens with the accountants where they realize, well, that's going to be 10 cent more per car. But once we sell this many hundred thousand cars, we've spent millions. And that becomes a, that's a I hadn't thought about it in those terms. That's great. It's way down in the weeds, but I like that you catch stuff. I like that you look and notice stuff like this. So this is great. Uh, Michael Hoskins on uh, Facebook wrote in and asked a great question. I'm going to try to answer this. I don't know all the details, but I will tell you what I know. He said that you have YouTube Red. Now, if you don't know what YouTube Red is, that is a way to watch YouTube without ads at all. His concern is because he is watching it by paid for, I don't get ads from YouTube, do we get anything out of it? He would like, because mm -hmm. obviously the only way we make money on YouTube is because you've watched an ad. And for those of you also, I'm also in the weeds here. If it's an ad that says you can watch in five seconds and click here, that still counts. That five seconds of your life, that counts. It absolutely does. Some ads, of course, you can't click through. But anyway, so Michael's saying, I see no ads because I'm paying for YouTube Red. I'd like to support you guys. What's going on here? Michael, we can see it in the analytics. We have a YouTube Red income on every single one of our videos every month. Now, it's not much. And I do not begin to know the algorithm by which YouTube decides to take money from this person's sure, I have sure. no idea. I have <laughs> right, no idea how right. that works. But in our line items of ways we are getting income on every video, there is a YouTube red line item, and that's happening on every one. So somehow, Michael, your YouTube red income, trickles of it are headed our way, and thank you. Brian Tilker wrote on Facebook, you've got to drive past a cop, and you're speeding, clearly. So what car should you be driving so they don't notice you?
Well, Brian, they're going to notice the speed, of course. I think it wouldn't matter if you're in a Corolla or a Camry. They'd probably see this fast blur gray shape. Well, how, how fast are you going? But yes. I, I, it's going to be tough. I mean, generally speaking, you'd think the hotter colors, the brighter colors might get you more noticed. Mm -hmm. But I will say the thing that will notice you l the least is not to change lanes abruptly. If you're just, you know, cutting in it's, and out of traffic, yeah. they'll nail you. That, that is, stands out like a sore thumb, among well, other stuff. Yeah. But I will say, <laughs> you know. The aggressive moves are the, are the admission yeah. of guilt. I mean, yeah. you slam on your brakes. Yeah, of And course. you go from 75 to 65, all of a sudden, you may just get pulled over, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you ease your way off the gas, whatever. It's, it's the sudden stuff. You're right. The sudden stuff makes so much of a difference. Of course, I'm going to say gray minivan or that, well, you know, that, that uh, we didn't bother to paint it silver Prius. These are not problems, <laughs> okay? But it is that sudden move stuff that really gets you noticed. How about the metallic celery Prius? You know the one? I do know the, the one. scale gloss metallic yes. celery. Yes, yes. Yeah, maybe that car. It's like a what painted we have left over. We'll put that on the car. It's fine. Oh, it'll stand out. Hey, there's yeah, a can of this awful. here. Okay, we'll use that. He also asks, what car would you get pulled over in if you were going under the speed limit? I'd say just about any supercar because the cop just wants to look at it. There is that category. That well. happens. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. As, and and there, don't get me wrong. It's not that the cop necessarily is going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Sometimes I've heard plenty of stories from supercar owners where they got pulled over because the cop was curious about the car. Yeah, right. Right. There, there was no ticket given. It was just, what is this thing? I needed to get a good look at it. And I have I have uh, reds and blues on the top of my car. I can pull you over. I can make you stop. Nobody else can. I can do that. Exactly. I just want to get to know this car so when I do see you speeding, speeding later in it, I'll know it's you and I'll know what kind of car it is. I just want to identify it beforehand and sort of get that out of the way. Anyway, uh, yeah, great question. I love it. I love it. Uh, Christopher wrote in on Instagram and said, if we could choose, this is hard, if you could choose only naturally aspirated or turbo engines for the rest of our life, Ooh. what's our pick? Ooh. I, I thought about this because turbos are fantastic at this point. Somebody else asked turbos or supercharger. I think it depends on the car and the setup to answer that question. Mm -hmm. But uh, turbos are awesome because you have wall of torque. Once you get onto the torque, it's just here's big plateau. The torque <laughs> is the same. Right. It's it's awesome. It's fun. This is what makes a Fiesta ST so fun. This is what makes, I mean, look, the Porsches are going to the turbo engines and everything. They have pull all the time. I I like to get the get to know the quirks of a car. I like to understand how what my sure. foot is doing directly relates to the power delivery. And that is better on a naturally aspirated car. It always is. And so sure. based entirely yeah. on what my right foot is doing, I understand the kind of power delivery that's going to get, and and it varies a lot. Look, obviously, you put more, you put your foot into it more in a turbo car, you get more power. I'm not saying it doesn't isn't the case, but I'm saying you can understand based on sound, based on where is my foot in the pedal. That naturally aspirated car, you can learn that it takes time, and I will admit it's not as hot as the turbo versions. I do like that more. And sadly, manufacturers are going away from naturally completely, aspirated completely. more yep. and more and more, so it's harder to find. I'm actually with you. I, I, I love turbos. I love what they do. I love how they've transformed driving in general and supercars up to the Ford GT. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah. with you on the naturally aspirated thing. There's a, the, the gas pedal becomes less of an on-off switch in a naturally aspirated yeah. car. Yeah. And, and please don't misunderstand me. It is crazy fun to get into the on-off switch and to blow your hair back and to realize from 2,000 RPM to 6,000 RPM, the car just pulled. It's just this wall of power. That is crazy fun, and I get it. Right. But right. there's – this sounds weird. You can't have a relationship with that. It just exists. <laughs> I, I know it sounds weird to put it that way, but, that but there, there's, a, there's a learning curve that exists in the naturally aspirated car that is more engaging. All right. Yeah, I agree. All right, so last question for me here. Cars and comments. Thank you for writing in. When you guys are shopping for cars, whom else do we watch? Who else car reviews do we watch? For me, it's kind of everything. And we hope we're mm, part mm. of your car shopping experience, yeah. too. Do we expect that we are the single only influencers of your of car? Of not. No. That's not what we... We want you to... We want us to be an influencer in your lives. Mm. But go get other people's opinions, too. We definitely say that. Go hear other people's take on things and come back and yeah, yeah. Weigh, it against, uh, weigh it against what Todd and I say. So I'm, I'm 
yeah, I'm taking my own medicine here too to mm-hmm. kind of bring everything back around. We watch a lot of people's stuff, including European reviewers. Even if it's in a language I don't understand, I still like to see what they do in terms of shooting and the shots they get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there's subtitles, so I can kind of understand what they're talking about. What what yeah. I like in general is consensus. I like to find the mm-hmm. places where everybody talked about that feature on a car, good or bad. Sure. Everybody talked about sure. this about the steering. Everybody talked about this about the gearbox. Once you start to find patterns, I always find it interesting to see who breaks the pattern, who's the one person that <laughs> said, oh, this gearbox who's is the great, and everybody else said it was awesome. Right. That, I believe they generally still came to that belief candidly. And we've done it sometimes, too. We're, we've been the random oddball now and then. Sure. So I think sure. I think – I like to find the consensus, and I like to find the oddball, and that changes time to time. But I do find it pretty easy to watch two or three reviews from just pick two or three outlets, two or three reviews, and already you can start to find consensus and be like, that car must really be that way. Or if all those reviews were done at a press launch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the talking points, the that car was, the PowerPoint. Exactly. That's the only exception. <laughs> if it was done at a press launch, the reason that there's consensus is because they all had the exact same test they crammed for, and now they're regurgitating. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the press launch, I look for consensus. Force-fed the facts. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Your questions are awesome as always. We really, really appreciate them. And we've announced the pilgrimage trip. Yes. It is on the website, everydaydriver.com. Please go there. If you are able to join us, we mm-hmm. would love to have you the on town, our yeah. huge adventure in Germany. As we said, the other North American, the U.S. adventures are coming forthcoming soon. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. This is really uh, huge and fun to be along with the ride uh, with you guys. So, And, of course, if you have your own car debate, you can write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail or submit that through the website as well. That is there underneath the contact form. And uh, it's happening. I am actually selling the FRS. If you would like more info and want to reach out to me on that, I am bracing myself <laughs> for somehow trying to get through those emails. You're because have to write a form email of I a copy and this paste is everything you need of, to know. Yeah, that, you're yeah, you're going to have to write that. And yeah. no offense, but here's the specs and then a yeah. little personal sign off. We'll see from there. We'll see from there because it's already we're already getting <laughs> to a place where there's a whole lot of admin going on. I've just added, but that's yes. fine because it's a very fun car. Guys, thanks again. Until next time. Cheers.